All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back. Happy Tuesday night live. Uh, tonight, we are just going to be chilling out, talking about whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, if you're uh, joining live, go ahead and put in the comments where you're watching from, and uh, we'll shout out your hometown or the place you're staying right now, or whatever. Uh, and also, if you're watching the replay, um, go ahead and put that put your location in the comments as well. And uh, yeah, I'll be right back after we roll the intro. Let a few more people join. Let everyone comment where they're watching from. So stick around. I'll be right back. What's up? We already got a couple people in here. Whoa, lots of people. Uh, super chat too. Let me figure out how to get this on the screen here. Uh, super sticker from Samir Chima. Uh, hippo character. I think that is like describing the super sticker. And I'm gonna see if I can. My software doesn't have a way to actually display that on the screen. But for all of you watching in the comments, uh, I know you can see the hippo with his hat on backwards so that's pretty cool thank you so much seamer uh justin turnbos here hello from tulsa oklahoma hope everyone's safe with the hurricanes and fires yes ah oh, things are crazy right now jay palone says hoping to get the kids to bed in time to hang out hope you're here man lewis mato is here matos woo make the best of what's still around perfect summer night in chicago Awesome, yeah. The uh, humidity did, like, I don't want to say that the humidity broke, but the humidity is down just a little bit today. Uh, I was able to get a much better run in than I have been over the last couple weeks, months. <laughs> I was able to actually hold a pretty good pace for 10 miles, so that was awesome today. Thanks, Lou. Uh, sweet intro tunes. Awesome. Seamer is from Cary, North Carolina. What's up? Ultra Dad's here. Evening from Ohio. Ultra Dad has Grindstone 100 coming up pretty soon, uh, which was my first 100 miler. So good luck to you. Uh, I know you're probably freaking out right now. <laughs> uh, Chuck runs every day. Uh, hello from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Great channel, Ryan. Training for my first Trail 50K next month. Awesome. Are you a daily runner, Chuck? That's pretty cool. I did that for a little bit. Uh, I did it for almost a full year. I think I made it to like 298 days or something like that. <laughs> uh, but um, then I had to stop because I did the no business 100 and could hardly walk the next day. So daily running is fun though. Uh, Ernie G's here. Hello from Athens, Greece. What's up? Avon Lake, Ohio is where Lou's from. Mile 62 trail running channel. Greetings from Georgetown, Texas. Awesome. 
Uh, Run V Runs here from Melbourne, Australia. Lockdown. Only thing to look forward to is my daily run. Now at 50 kilometers a week and building, but don't want a lockdown injury. Aiming at UTA next year. Oh, yeah. I don't. I would not want to be injured during lockdown either. Brian Steinberg runs too much. It's from Grand Rapids. Uh, Dave Lee, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Eva Belt, Placerville, California. I've been there. Christy Wiley, hey, uh, from Pennsylvania. What's up? Tommy is here from Chicago, Illinois. Eduardo Sanchez from Chula Vista. Oh, my gosh, there's so many people. I don't know. Can we shout them all out? Let's go get your questions into so we can get the discussion rolling. Uh, anything you want to talk about? Running, ultra running, trail running. Uh, doesn't have to be running though. Could be training of any kind. <laughs> uh, Steve's here from Montreal, Canada. Oliver V says, uh, living in uh, South Korea, I think. That's right. What impact does filming have on you and training runs even more so on your races? When and why did you commit to vlogging? Looking forward to that push myself. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good question. Uh, it actually, there's a, it plays a, it, it changes, it changes a lot about, uh, how you run, um, because it does take a lot of energy, uh, to like, think about what you're, uh, like to force yourself to pull the camera out, to talk, think about what you're going to say, to try and say something intelligent, <laughs> It's not always, it doesn't always have to be intelligent, but, uh, you know, just it's, it does change a lot. And especially during races, uh, I've learned to, um, you know, like the times that you need to pull the camera out the most are the times you don't want to like the times that are like the hardest, uh, like when you're hurting the most, when you're everything is the ugliest, like that's the time that you should pull the camera out the most. And a lot of people like, that's like, that's the last thing you'd want to do. Um, so yeah, it's been hard, especially recently with my runs have been so difficult in the heat. It's just been like so hard to, uh, get myself to carry a camera. Uh, and I don't normally take a camera out on every run. I know some people do, uh, massive, like massive respect to uh, Kafuzi, uh, guys like that that take their camera out on every single run. I don't. Uh, I definitely do on like the long trail runs on the weekend and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's what got me interested in it was Ginger Runner's channel. Uh, Jamil Curry also runs deep, get high. Uh, Ethan and Jamil, uh, big time influences uh, years ago. And that's why I started doing it. So good luck, Oliver. Whoa, Chuck runs every day, 1,335 days in a row. That's amazing. That is awesome. Huge congrats. Brandon Burns, hello from Alaska. Chris Smallcomb here, getting runs in between smoke plumes here in Reno. Oh, yeah. That's got to be, I mean, that's so sad, like, seeing what's going on over there right now. I mean, there's a lot of like bad things going on in the world right now, but uh, since I've been to that area, like Lake Tahoe, uh, more than a couple times, like I just, I can, 
I can picture that area. I can, you know, I know some of those places that are on fire right now and it's just, oh, it's really, really sad. Carlos uh, is here from Puerto Rico. What's up? Uh, Samir says, what's a good max training run before a 50 miler? Um, I would say, uh, do like a marathon, like 26 miles. Maybe if you can push it closer to like 28 or 30 or something, that would be a really good training run. Uh, but you don't have to have something massive. I would say, you know, for the most part, if you've never done a 50 miler, at least get like somewhere in between 25 and 30 miles of a long run in beforehand. But then once you get to the race, you'll be able to like kind of, uh, it'll, it'll be a little bit better because you'll have aid stations and you'll have a lot of other people there and you'll have encouragement and stuff. Um, but I wouldn't stress out if you can't get something more than 25 miles or something, uh, before 50 miler. Uh, and not everyone like, I mean, most people, (laughs) it's not pretty after about 25 miles anyway. So you're going to struggle. You're going to have a hard time. It's going to be a suffer fest. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, run V run says, how do you tape your feet? Is there a standard? Way to start with, uh, using toe socks, but keen to learn what are the areas that need extra protection. So I've done a lot of different things. I've gone with no tape. I've gone with a ton of tape everywhere. And I've kind of settled uh, somewhere in between uh, because I have found that um, toe socks, specifically this brand, uh, Exoskin, I really like them a lot. And I feel like, I mean, there is something going on with the material Um, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that they're just, they're, they're highly compressed compression. Uh, they're really tight. And so there's not a whole lot of movement in it. Uh, there's not anything loose. There's not any extra seams. They're really thin. Uh, and so like, like I said, I've gone from nothing to, I, this one race I did, uh, I think I taped, my big toe I, and I taped the two toes next to it on each foot, just like tape around and over the top kind of like to just prevent from blisters. And that helped. Um, but it was just, it was a lot. And I taped the bottom, like the pad of my foot one time. Um, and for maybe the last three or four hundreds I've done, uh, I taped my heel and that really does help. And I will probably continue to do that. Um, until I have like an issue with the tape or something or get tired of it. But, uh, like I, especially on races that have like a lot of steep vertical, like my heels, uh, would always get, uh, blisters and that would always cause, you know, pain and just general like suffering like throughout the race. But I found that when I tape my heel, just like a piece of tape kind of under and then like two or three, around the back it just kind of like forms like a heel cup kind of uh and i always use luco tape that stuff does not come off like you feel like you're like ripping your skin off after the race when you actually do have to take it off uh but i always use luco tape just works really great um i used to also use like a spray glue uh, on beforehand. Cause that's what they do like in physical therapy. Like when I would go there, but I don't use that anymore. Cause the Luco tape seems like it's, uh, it works just fine. Um, 
but yeah so i think i've kind of settled on that um and like i don't i don't know if i'll always like wear exoskin socks like there's part of me that's kind of like tired of them because uh there is a they're really hard to get on and off (laughs) especially during a race and i will there have been times in races where i have just completely like refused to take off my shoes and socks because when I know I should have changed them just because I don't like how hard they are to get on and off. Uh, and if I didn't, especially if you don't have a crew or like someone that's like really willing to do that, like it can be really difficult. So I mean, I would love it if I could find a pair of socks that were not toe socks that, uh, really worked well. Maybe I'll try it. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'll try it sometime. Maybe this next race, who knows? Uh, but like, because, you know, changing your socks, especially if you change them like once or twice during a hundred miler or even a 50, like that can make a huge difference, uh, rather than just running in wet socks for hours and hours. Uh, like it can really, it can really be a boost mentally and physically with your feet. So that was kind of a long, uh, answer, but, uh, yeah, as far as like taping, like that's been my thing. Uh, I don't tape anything anymore other than my heels. Um, mile 62 trail running channel says, why do American men struggle to place top three at UTMB? Hmm. Good question. I think that. Uh, I think that like part of it is part of it is the, uh, a lot of our top male runners right now are trying to do maybe too much. In my opinion, uh, you look at the most recent successes that people have had, like Tim Tollefson has been like, I think he was third once or twice. Uh, David Laney was pretty high. Like there's been some others that I've probably forgotten about, but I believe they didn't really do much of anything except for UTMB. But like the last couple of years, a lot of the runners, the United States male runners uh, have tried to do Western States and UTMB or hard rock and UTMB. And they kind of like, like, I don't know, maybe we're just spreading ourselves too thin uh, during these races doing these uh, like high profile races that, you know, sponsors are really pushing people. Uh, I think that's another thing is like, like we, we don't amateur runners like most of us probably don't understand the amount of pressure that these professional athletes are under uh, from their sponsors to do these high profile races uh, like Western States, like to try to get into hard rock, uh, especially if you're in hard rock to keep doing it. Uh, And then, UTMB races like that, but like to race your way into Western States, you have to put a really massive effort into like a hundred K or something. And then a few months later you have to run Western States. And then if you try to double and do UTMB also, there's just like, I mean, the body can only take so much. And so I'm worried that maybe our top men are focused on maybe too many races but I also think that um, there is a definite, like, uh, like a, uh, 
I don't want to say like like a higher like a higher importance, a higher focus on UTMB from especially uh, European athletes, uh, where it's it means more, uh, and I think that matters a lot during a hundred miler. Like you can dig deeper if there's a deeper meaning for you. So you see, like the top five males were all French. Uh, I think that speaks a lot to just how important of a race it is um, for runners from France. Like, I just think that, I think that you, you can draw like a deeper meaning. You can go harder. uh, You can find extra motivation uh, when the race means more to you. I also think that international uh, male runners might be improving quicker (laughs) than American male runners uh, at mountain races over time. All right, Ultra Dad, uh, another UTMB. Let's talk UTMB. You successfully finished Cruel Jewel, Grindstone, No Business, Run Rabbit Run. When is CCC or TDS in your future, or even UTMB? Uh, that's interesting. I actually never, like, so, of course I always, like, follow uh all those races uh, over the years. Um, but I've not, um, I've not really looked into how to apply just because of the logistics of like, what if I, like if I actually got into one of those, like the logistics of getting over there and, um, that's a massive like financial and time commitment. Cause I wouldn't want to just go for like three days or something. Like I'd want to go for a week or week and a half or something, uh, and experience the culture and the towns and, you know, I'd want to see more. Uh, but I actually did look up. It's funny that you asked that like this morning, I was just kind of like curious and I was like, what does it take like to even like apply for UTMB? Like I know there's a point system. And so I looked into the point system and to apply for UTMB, you have to have 10 points. Uh, and a lot of races that you do give you a certain amount of points. Well, cruel jewel, I got six points from finishing Cruel Jewel this year, and if I finish Indiana Trail 100, I'll get five points from that, uh, which is funny that those, like, Indiana Trail is five points, Cruel Jewel is six. Like, I don't understand how they're so close in points, but it is what it is. So if I finish both of those, I could actually apply to UTMB next year. Uh, and then just from the six points at Cruel Jewel, I think I could – just straight up apply to CCC. Uh, but yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Probably won't uh, just because with like the age of our kids and everything, like I don't think uh, a family trip to Europe is like in the cards. And I also, I probably wouldn't want to go there alone. I don't know. Maybe in a couple years. We'll see. <sighs> it would be amazing though. Like, oh my gosh, like the spectacle that UTMB is, uh, those mountains, just the, oh, the, the history behind that race. It's just absolutely incredible. Love it so much. Uh, Justin Turnbo says, do hundred milers ever get easier watching Ed, Eddinghausen, uh, continue to run, running of a hundred, uh, does your body adapt? Um. I think that, 
in my experience, I don't think they get easier. I think you just know more of what to expect and you become less surprised. So maybe in a way that means that they become easier, but I don't think physically 100 milers really ever become less demanding or challenging on your body. Uh, I think it has more to do with how mentally prepared you are, uh, how well you can problem solve, how many, how much experience you have, meaning uh, like what happens when you get a blister on your heel? Uh, do you freak out and stop for 30 minutes and try to fix it? And do you do all these things that, you know, maybe don't work and then you've wasted a lot of time and you've put a lot of stress and energy in it? Are you thinking about it constantly? Or you say, oh, this has happened three times before. I just need to push through it. Eventually my foot goes numb, <laughs> you know? So like there's things that you learn uh, from races like that. And um, I have like this... I've also heard from several, I've watched several interviews of professional uh, ultra runners recently who mentioned that their legs uh, like went numb at a certain point. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never experienced my legs completely going numb. <laughs> like, I wonder if that's like another level that you can get to, <laughs> uh, to where you can really like really check out after that point and just continue running like if your legs go numb i don't know um we'll see but yeah i don't i wouldn't say they get easier uh, but i i would say that you become wiser and you can make better decisions and you can uh predict what's going to happen better and uh problem solve better uh let's see dave lee seven says my last long run before my first 100 miler is a 50k race, Barkley Fall Classic. Oh gosh. <laughs> that's much more than the 50k race. I would say that's the effort of at least a 50 miler or maybe more, maybe 100k. Uh 3 weeks before a 100 miler. Oh boy. Uh I'm curious if and how long I should taper before the 50k race. Um yeah, I would say it depends a lot on your experience and what your tapers <clears throat> have been like in the past. But uh, if you're in that scenario, the 50K is really close to your 100, and you've picked a really, really hard 50K. Uh, so I would say maybe maybe start your taper for the 50K two weeks early and then kind of just picture it as like almost like um, – almost like a five-week taper with a super hard effort right in the middle. Uh, I mean, that could be something that, but honestly, I don't know. Like you might, like that might be too long. Uh, you might lose too much fitness before your 100. Uh, maybe a one-week taper and then take the 50K, the Barclay Fall Classic, as easy as you possibly can uh, in order to finish. But from what I've heard that from people that have done it is that it feels much more like a really hard 50 miler, uh, than a 50 K. So good luck. Uh, let us know how it goes. Uh, Samir Chima says I did a marathon last weekend with 250 lunges mixed in. Jeez. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, race on October 2nd. Good luck. Jim Prentice says, Jim's from Blairsville, Georgia. Have you thought about the Georgia death race? Yes, I have. 
Um, and um, I don't think I'm going to be doing any of Sean's races. I'll say that. I love Georgia and I love those mountains and I love those trails. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be pursuing any of his races in the future. Brennan Burns says, do you suggest going for a 50 miler or 50 K after a marathon? Um, that's, that really depends. I mean, the 50 K is like so close to a marathon that you can probably do it, uh, without really, I would say go for a 50 miler. I mean, that's my opinion. <laughs> uh, that's what I did. Uh, so go for it. Chuck runs every day says during your 80 mile week, uh, you had a 20 mile run where your feet got soaked in the Solomon ultra glides. How are your feet after? Will it affect your review? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like they, they're, I, I will say like, and I'll mention it in my review. I don't think they're, I think there's a lot of really, really good things about those shoes. One thing that I did, uh, experience during my use of them was if your feet are soaked and they're continually wet and you don't really have an opportunity for them to dry out, the water doesn't have anywhere to go. Uh, because the, around the edge of the upper, almost entirely around the whole shoe is sealed in. And that's just kind of like, it's kind of a bummer, uh, that Solomon would do that. Honestly, uh, really surprises me, uh, because you would think that they're testing this in wet conditions and, uh, yeah, so it's just kind of surprising. Um, they just didn't work, uh, in hot, humid wet environment. Uh, if it was a dry environment, like I'm really interested to see. So I actually have two pairs of those, uh, and I'm going to save one of the pairs for the fall. Uh, like when it gets like maybe, maybe right before or right after, uh, the Indiana trail 100. Um, I'm going to save those probably to test like in cooler, drier conditions because, um, I just, um, uh, like I, I think they'll work better in those situations. Um, yeah. Laura Bellman says in Kansas city ran 20 miles today, marathon in 11 days. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. Good luck at your marathon. Eva belt says fire is clear from Placerville to Tahoe basin. Well, that's good. Uh, that's good to hear. Uh, Samir says, Samir says, uh, do you still run in the ultra Olympus four and any recommendations for max cushion long distance shoe? Uh, no, I haven't run in my Olympus in a long time. Um, but I would say for like max cushion, um, I would check out something like a speed goat from Hoka. Um, uh, yeah, I would check, I would check out speed goat from Hoka. Those, but the Evo speed goat, uh, I had, I had much better luck with the Evo Speed Goats than I did with the Speed Goat 4. Uh, Chris Rhodes says, getting ready for a self-supported 50-miler in November. Struggling with hydration. Uh, can't seem to can seem to can't seem to get enough hydration. Any help? Also, what's your favorite product for this? Uh, so, yeah, this is a really this is a oh, like a hard 
a really hard topic to nail down for everybody. So it's not just you, Chris. Don't worry. Uh, there's like several parts of the hydration. Like you, you've got the actual water that you need, uh, but then you've got electrolytes that you need as well. And uh, those have to work together and you have to have the right mix. So I would recommend um, like uh, I would recommend testing out different types of sports drinks to see which ones uh, maybe work the best for you. But then I would also say maybe think about testing out um, just like water and then maybe like salt tablets, like salt stick. I have these chewable tablets that I really like a lot. Uh, and you can combine those. You can get, you can maybe plan that out better too. Sometimes that's easier, especially if the temperature is fluctuating a lot. Uh, you can just drink as much as you want, as like as long as you're thirsty. And you could take like salt tablets, like on more of a schedule or something. Uh, that can help. Um, but yeah, you also have to remember that if you're drinking a sports drink, uh, you're also going to be getting some like sugar carbs and things like that as well. So there's like kind of like all these things that you have to manage while you're running and it's really, really hard. Um, but you just kind of have to test it out. I would say if you like can't seem to get enough, like that's not an uncommon thing. A lot of runners, um, especially uh, myself as well, like, uh, dehydration is an issue. Uh, and it's tough. Um, but yeah, I don't have like a favorite sports drink or anything. What I've been doing recently, a lot of is, uh, I've been drinking water mixed with you can, uh, which is like a slow, like it's a, uh, it's a slow carb. Uh, so it's, it's not sugary. Uh, and then, um, mixing in like, uh, taking salt tablets kind of like when I feel like I need to, if I'm sweating a lot and then, uh, supplementing the, you can with, uh, some gels every once in a while. And that's been working really well. Uh, there's a lot of times in uh, hundred milers and I just watched the iron far interview with Courtney DeWalter, which was great post-race interview with her. And she was talking about how she always, uh, during races hits a point where she has to go to a liquid diet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's me, <laughs> like me too. <laughs> like, and so I was like, I'm really like, okay, like, so that is a thing. Like, it's not like, it's not just me. <laughs> Uh, and so like really kind of like, uh, like looking into that more and, um, it kind of reinforced the direction that I felt like I needed to be going with, uh, picking up, you can, and getting more of my, uh, carbs, uh, from, and like, like super starch, uh, you can more of my energy from there and then supplementing with gels if I need to. So kind of reinforced that, that I've been testing out for the last couple months and made me feel a lot better about that decision. And so that's kind of like where I'm going to be aiming for during the uh, Indiana Trail 100. And the thing that's going to be hard is, like I've always said, uh, my recommendation to people is always drink your hydration and eat your calories. Uh, well, if what I'm planning on doing is kind of going from the start with drinking my hydration and calories and then supplementing with a little bit extra calories. Uh, that's going to become possibly an issue at night when it gets really cold and I'm not thirsty anymore. Uh, so I'm going to have to 
figure that out. And hopefully I'll be able to like supplement with like easy stuff at aid stations, uh, like lots of, hopefully there'll be some fruit there, things like that, that I can eat quickly and then have stuff at my, uh, my crew, uh, have things for me as well. If the night gets really cold and I'm not wanting to drink, uh, so much and then getting low on calories, you know? So, uh, it's tough. Like this is, this is a hard, this is a hard thing to nail down. And sometimes you change up your nutrition every year, twice a year. Uh, you know, that's why I, I was sponsored by a nutrition company once a couple years ago. And I don't, I mean, the only way I would ever do that again is if it was like, if I was totally sure that that's where I needed to go. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with being able to try everything, anything and everything out there. Uh, yeah, CK Hiker brings up a good point. Francois did hard rock, uh, course rider and killed the UTMB. Yeah, he's, and he's a different, he's a different type of athlete than any of our, uh, I, I shouldn't say any of our American athletes, but he's on a completely other level. He's amazing. Um, let's see. Uh, Ultra Dad says, I know this is really early, but any sneak previews or hints on your race schedule next year? That's funny. <laughs> no, like I have thought nothing about next year. Like I'm putting all my mental energy into uh, this race in five and a half weeks. Uh, yeah, I have I have no clue. No idea. I don't need a hard rock qualifier uh, next year. So uh, I can, that freeze, that frees me up a little bit. Uh, I don't like have to target like a big, uh, like tough race. Um, that'll be 2023 that I'll need to renew that. So next year, as long as I get um, another Western States qualifier, which there's like a hundred uh, in the U S it's not hard to find one. We've got like, I've got like five within five hours of me. Uh, as long as I can get one of those, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to do a couple next year. So we'll see. Um, yeah, UTMB would be sweet, but I don't know. Midwest super slam. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think like I, yeah, I would love to be the type of, person that could pull off like 500 milers in like three months, but, um, I'm not there yet. Uh, see Aaron Townsend says, Hey Ryan, we'll be using poles for the first time at the next hundo. We'll be using the like lucky micro trails. Nice. I think that's what I have too. Do you have any tips or suggestions for using poles? Never used them before. Um, yeah, I mean, just get out and practice a couple times with them. But um, I would say that my biggest advice would be uh, to learn learn how to uh, learn all the ins and outs about them. Use them use them like more than you think you need to like to practice. Like practice 
practice tearing them down and opening them up like just over and over and over. Just like sit there while you're watching TV or something and just practice for like an hour. Uh, because there's going to be so many times in the race where you might be running a flat section for maybe a mile or two and it would be really beneficial to uh, just take 10 seconds to break them down and throw them on your back and then be able to run freely with your hands free for the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes, an hour, whatever you have in front of you. Uh, but a lot of times I have felt, uh, and I know a lot of other people do that it'd just be easier to carry them because I don't want to like take the time to like break them down. Um, so I would say like learn the ins and outs of them, but then also, uh, don't use them too much. And by that, I mean, I see a lot of, uh, people who obviously like haven't used poles very often, like just putting like a hundred pounds of pressure each time. And you really don't need that much. Uh, like you might have watched, uh, like the end of UTMB or the middle of it or something where they're really focusing on some of the, the front runners. And it really did look like they were like putting just like hundreds of pounds of pressure on those poles. And those are different. That's a different type of athlete, first of all, but that's also at the very end of the race and they're racing and they're trying to get every ounce of energy that they can out. Um, but for most beginners, it would be wise to use them a little bit lighter uh, and not not try to get everything out of the poles that you think, like don't take just like huge chunks of uh, like earth and like try to move it behind you. You know, like my, uh, the way I use them and the way I like using them the best is to more of have them tapping like even with your foot or behind you and just putting a few pounds of pressure, but just keeping it really like methodical and just really like, just like tap, 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 tap as you're going up the mountain. Uh, and then you'll notice that even if you're only putting like five pounds of pressure on each one, like you you won't even really feel like you're doing anything with your arms, but you are propelling yourself forward and up, uh, if that's the situation that you're using them in. Um, so yeah, that'd be my advice. Uh, Daniel says, Dan from Delco, Pennsylvania. Uh, will you ever run a road marathon or race again? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I would like to eventually, um, be able to like go out and try to like, see what I could do, like try to get a PR in a marathon. I think that'd be fun. Uh, RB says, is chafing inevitable or do you have any advice on how to manage this issue? Thanks. Um, I think that, I think that it like, okay. So like sometimes it is inevitable. Uh, if the weather is just wrong or, uh, like meaning if it's like raining a lot or humid or something's rubbing in a weird way, like just a couple weeks ago, like, I think I might have a scar, but, uh, my pack 
I, I did a 28 miler and my pack was just rubbing on my neck and I couldn't get it to stop rubbing. And it like, just like cut like into my neck. And I actually like had to like, uh, like use like alcohol and like, um, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Like Neosporin or whatever for a couple days, like let it heal, wear a bandaid. Like it was like, like it really messed up my neck and I'm like, what the heck? Like this pack, like I've, I've used this pack a lot and I just like couldn't have predicted it. It just happened. Um, so sometimes something like that could totally go wrong. And so in a race, it would help to have like backup plans. Um, so for me, like I would have had, you know, hopefully I would have been able to find some sort of like tape, like at an aid station or, uh, in my drop bag or something. And I could have put some tape like over that spot to like stop it from rubbing that could have helped. Um, but yeah, like other areas, um, it like there's different products that you can use, like squirrels, nut butter. There's this like sports shield, uh, there's body glide. Like there's all sorts of stuff that's good to have handy, um, but then also like the clothes you wear are really important. Uh, I'm doing a review for a pair of shorts right now that, uh, are really, really great. Uh, and I'll probably end up using them, uh, for my hundred coming up here. Uh, but they're, they're, they've got like a spandex kind of liner in them and that really helps. So the clothes you wear is really important. Um, having products handy, like squirrels, nut butter or something like that, or tape, uh, when things go wrong, uh, that can be really important. But yeah, sometimes you go and nothing comes up and sometimes it's a nightmare. <sighs> um, Chris Williams says last week I got some Brooks glycerin as my first max cushion shoe for my marathon prep. What an amazing shoe for road running. Awesome. I haven't tried those. Actually, I actually haven't run in Brooks in a long time. I need to check some out. Uh, Brofester says, I live in the Midwest. My training is all flat trail. Did my first ultra 100K Zion. Oh, nice. This year. And the terrain nearly broke my legs. Uh, I want to do a 100 miler. Which ultra should I do? Uh, that's, I mean, you have, you have so uh, many different types of races to choose from. I would say if you really liked like uh, something like Zion, I would go back, like try something like that out West again or something like on the East coast that has more climbing. Um, if you liked the fact that it almost broke your legs, but if you didn't like that, maybe you'd want to, Oh, what's up, Justin? Thanks. Uh, long live the buckle cam. Yeah. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Here we go. Buckle cam. <laughs> Uh, thanks Justin for your, uh, super generous, super chat. Um, this is something that we've been doing recently, last couple weeks, uh, months, maybe I have a permanent camera set up over there now so that anytime we want during the live streams, we can check in on the buckles and see how they're doing. So thanks Justin. Um, but yeah, professor was saying, uh, what type of race? So I think hundred milers are so, they take so much out of you that and especially at the beginning, like until you get maybe five, seven, eight under your, uh, belt, 
until you, until you get like maybe closer to like seven or eight uh, hundred milers uh, experience with them, then maybe you can start doing multiple a year or start doing ones where you're like, I really want to focus on doing a fast one or I want to focus on doing like this crazy mountain adventure, you know, but for the first couple, I think they take so much out of you that you really have to pick something that motivates you a lot in order, cause you're going to have to train a lot <laughs> and it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of money, the trip, if you're going to travel somewhere and just the like, uh, uh, the, the amount of commitment that it takes to do one of these types of races, it's really uh, not wise to do something you're not excited about. So that'd be my advice. Uh, that's worked for me. Uh, and I've seen the races that I was not excited about. I performed really poorly in or just did not have fun. Uh, but the races I was excited about, um, it's a totally different story. But yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good suggestions in here. Tunnel Hill is like the flattest race you could possibly do. It's like all crushed gravel. Uh, Hennepin is a good one too, similar to that. Uh, someone said, "Oh, Duno says Florida Keys 100." If you want to do a road hundred, yeah. Uh, Daniel says, "I have a four-day, 320-mile bike tour that ends." A week before Hallucination 100, am I screwed or enough time to recover? Oh, that's actually probably great, honestly, because you're going to be getting a lot of, well, depending on how hard you ride it. Um, but that's not out of, that's not too crazy. Uh, what does that be, like 80 miles a day uh, for four days? Um, yeah, I think you'll be fine um, because the cycling is going to be a totally different uh, demand on your body. Um, like mechanically and uh, like your energy system, it's just going to be a different type of uh, exercise and endurance. And I think you can bounce back in a week from something like that, uh, depending on your experience level, obviously. But uh, good luck at Hallucination 100. I know there's a lot of Indiana people going there. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. Yeah. And good luck on that uh, bike tour. That sounds cool. But yeah, um, something like that. You should be able to bounce back. Uh, do pandas read books? <laughs> Says uh, them, mo what motivates you to train for a 100-mile race? And then the response, me, I like food. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, what's the, there's like some ultra running meme or quote or something that says like, um, I just like to eat with a little bit of running in between or something like that. I don't know, that was funny. Uh, Brofessor says, you're right. Zion had me excited and I forgot about the pain for most of the race, but I was thinking of a flat race to get my first one in the bag. But thanks for the responses. Yeah. Um, honestly though, like if, I would really, really say pick something that's exciting for you and motivates you um, because flat hundreds um, can be really boring. <laughs> and uh, depending on depending on 
like if you're going with people or if you're going alone, uh, if you really like the area, different things, like different things can motivate you. But, uh, yeah, I've done a couple, uh, races like that and yeah, they just can get, they can get, they can get monotonous and boring. And that's like one thing I'm worried about with the IT 100 is, uh, just getting like super monotonous and, uh, like kind of like losing steam. Um, because, you know, one thing with like doing mountain races, like that I really love is that there's different, like I can break them down in different, um, like different parts and I can say, you know, okay, like here's this section that we're going to go through and have to climb these two mountains or whatever. And then we're going to get to this point and then it was a turnaround and we're going to come back or like, this is a loop and here's this section. Uh, and it's also like really broken up because you might be climbing for like an hour or something and then descending for 30 minutes and then climbing for another hour. Uh, and, uh, so that can like really break up, uh, the race for you, but a flat hundred miler is just, you're always like tempted to run and there's really nothing to break it up except for you, like going on a schedule, like I'm going to walk for a little bit or run, uh, so the aid stations, like if they're really great aid stations, then that's one thing I'm excited about the IT 100 because they're, um, uh, some of the best aid stations ever. Uh, I volunteered at this race three times and uh, like I've seen firsthand the level of uh, work that goes into these aid stations, the food that's there, the people, it's just, it's seriously on another level uh, compared to any other race I've done. Um, And there's been some races that have like really good aid stations, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, Chuck runs every day. Says best waist belt for keeping your GoPro and stick on long runs. I usually wear a flip belt. Yeah, that's been working the best for me too. Uh, When I need like the longer handle, uh, when I have like the shorter handle or just don't have a handle at all, I can put it pretty much anywhere. Um, but yeah, the flip belt works really great because you can kind of stick the handle in, uh, and, uh, have it like held there just like that. Uh, you don't really have to like, you don't have to fit the whole thing in the belt. Um, so yeah, it kind of helps. Uh, Doug Stewart says, greetings from, uh, Kudahy, Wisconsin, I'm probably not saying that right. Running 30 at the Farmdale in October. Awesome. Good luck. That'll be fun. Wisconsin, I did, I've done one or two races up there. North Face 50. Uh, I've ran one race, the North Face 50 miler, and then I filmed one race, the High Cliff Ultra up there. Really pretty, uh, pretty area. Motivation Theory Running says, I just ran a flat 50K, and it was bizarre not having natural hiking or climbing breaks. I just had to run the whole time and force myself to walk to not go too fast and blow up. Yeah, and that was my problem at one of these races I did, the Kettle 100, a couple years ago. 
uh, where I just probably ran a little bit too much uh, for my level of training at that time. Because uh, that was a tough, that was when I was trying to do the Midwest Super Slam. <laughs> and um, ad- admittedly, I uh, like really messed up the planning for that. Um, I was trying to, it started in, the first race was in June, uh, Kettle 100. And then the last race was in October. And so I was like planning out my training and I was thinking, okay, like, like I really don't want to do like a, like a four or five month lead up to the first race and peak for that and then try to hold that type of fitness for all these races. So I said, okay, I'm going to do more of like a, I think I did like a 12 week build up to the first one. And then was thinking, okay, I'll peak like maybe after the, like right at the second or third race. Uh, and so I went into that first one, like definitely was undertrained, like wasn't in the right spot. Like I was trained, like, like I ran a really good, like 50 miler <laughs> and then I hiked for like 12 miles and just did, I basically did a hundred K at that race. Uh, so I was, I was probably about maybe six or eight weeks away from really being ready to maybe less than that, but I was not ready to do the hundred miler, uh, at the pace I wanted to. And so, yeah, I definitely did go out too fast, uh, and learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, I'm hoping that this one will be different though. Like I think, uh, the Indiana trail 100, like you can run almost everything. There's only a couple climbs that, um, really should be hiked, um, but nothing's like super long. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, when I went there a couple weeks ago, I did the loop in like four hours and 20 minutes. Um, and like I was running like harder than I would have during a hundred, but it was also like the end of a 70 mile week. So like, I really have no idea. I have no idea like where, where I'm going to be on race day. And that's part of the, that's one of the things that's really exciting and scary is that like, I don't like, I have no, I have, I have no, nothing to base this off of. Uh, I've never, I've never done a race like this with the training I have right now. And so I have no idea. So it's like, it's a mystery and I'm going to find out on the day. And that's super exciting to me. Uh, I mean, just like, you know, praying that I can stay injury free and healthy. Like I've started wearing, I oh, probably shouldn't say this, uh, cause it might like get some people mad, but I started wearing a mask everywhere in public again, just cause like, I don't want to get sick in the next like couple weeks. Uh, and so like, I'm just like, I'm trying really, really hard, uh, to like, stay, um, you know, stay like building over the next couple of weeks. Um, and just, uh, like really make sure that I peak like at the right time that I don't get sick beforehand, that I don't get any stupid little injuries, you know, like washing the dishes and you turn wrong and like you pull your growing or something like 
don't want to do something like that. Uh, just trying to like be just, you know, I'm putting in uh, much higher effort than I normally do uh, training for this race. So I'm tired all the time. Uh, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm cooked right now, but I need to stay in this state for two and a half more weeks and then start my taper. Um, but not taper too hard, just like slowly ease into it. And like, if I can nail, if I can nail this, like, I think this race is going to be really special. Uh, and I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have like, I think I'm going to have a great race, but if something goes wrong in the next couple of weeks or I screw up the taper, uh, it's going to be a tough one because I'm going to go out too hard and I'm going to blow up at like 50 miles. So I just really need to be careful over the next couple of weeks. And I really need to just like focus on my training and my taper, eating, sleeping, stuff like that. Um, Andrew Summer says, States for your next Western States qualifier. <laughs> I've thought about doing Eastern States. Um, that's a good idea. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I will. We'll see how, we'll see how the rest of this year goes. Um, that looks like, it looks like a really tough race, but it looks like a really fun one. Um, but yeah, I have a list of, so in Notion, for the last couple of years, I've been keeping track of just any race that like piques my interest. And I kind of like take notes and I like keep track of like what dates they are and like what states they're in and um, like what type of qualifiers they are, um, vertical gain, things like that. Um, and so I've got a list compiled now of maybe like 50, 100 milers or something that have piqued my interest over the last couple of years. And then what I really love doing is every year around like December or January or something like going through that list and just kind of like reviewing it and picking out ones that, uh, at that time look the most interesting, you know? So yeah, it's fun. We'll do that again this winter. See where we land. Justin, uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to meet with all of us. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Uh, I look forward to it every week. Oh, that's cool. Well, thank you, man. Uh, Terrence Tan says, I can relate to doing the dishes and turning to get the dishcloth and feel a tweak in my knees. Oh no. Yeah. It's happened before. I mean, stuff like that. That's like, that's when you get, that's when you get some of the weird injury injuries, you know, you're just doing something like totally random walking, you know, just walking around outside and turn your knee or something, you know, or like I said, doing dishes and you pull something like, just hoping nothing like that happens. <laughs> Actually, I had, uh, like, the year that I paced Leadville, um, I did something. I, like, messed up my shoulder. Actually, or my neck. It was, like, my neck. It was, like, two days before the race. I was just, like, wasn't even doing anything strenuous. I was actually, like, unpacking my suitcase that was already, it was, like, sitting like at waist height and I'm just like pulling clothes out of it and like something like pulled like in my neck and shoulder. And then I paced that whole, like, like the whole thing. It was like, there was just like pain there for like a couple days. Like, and it just, yeah, stuff like that happens.
Stephen McNeil says church runs. Uh, I'd use the Osprey light uh, weight fanny for my GoPro. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Daniel Danielle says, I'll never understand a person that gets mad at those four. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> I'm with you. Ultra Dad, uh, Vermont 100. Um, I don't know. I have so I watched a documentary about that uh, a couple years ago, and it looked good. It looked interesting. Uh, I don't know though. It's a good one from what I've heard. Motivation theory. Ryan says, "I always have a tendency to err on the side of slightly undertrained rather than pushing too hard and being injured. End up tapering too hard. Yeah, I always worry about getting sick in the last week, even." Yeah. Uh, I'm right with you on that. Like, um, I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to do this taper, right? Like I'm really like reviewing all of my like years of coaching notes and everything trying to do like, what would I do if I was coaching myself? Uh, and cause I basically am, but, um, yeah, I like the taper is one of the hardest things to get right because if you do it wrong and you just slack off uh and you do like a two-week taper you're not going to lose a ton of your fitness but you're going to lose like you always lose some fitness during a taper but that's part of it like that's just that's the other side of the coin like that's gonna happen um like when you're tapering, you're trying to freshen up and recover. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to train less. And so you're going to, you're going to lose a little bit of your fitness. Um, the goal is to maximize your freshness and not lose so much though. And so that's where like, I'm thinking with the volume that I've built up, like I really want to kind of take like three weeks but the first week of that is really, it's going to be just a slight dip. Um, so wherever I end up in a couple of weeks, whether it's whether I'm still doing like 80 milers or whether I'm up to like higher than that or whatever, uh, uh, the, the first week will be a slight dip. And then the second week will drop maybe half of that. And the last week will be like super minimal. So that's kind of like... It's kind of like my goal. Um, <laughs> Chris Williams says, I'm time out. Franklin said, I can't wash dishes until post-marathon race. Yeah. It's the most dangerous chore you can do. Uh, Chuck runs every day. What's your average percent of DNFs in 100 milers? Uh, my average? Um... I don't know if that's the question you're asking. Um, I have attempted seven and finished five. Uh, but the average, it really depends. Like if you're talking about just races, um, it can be like something like Western States. I think their average finish rate is somewhere in the 60% percentile uh, because that race is – but that's above average. It's really above average. Most races are somewhere around 50. Uh, but the the bigger, more iconic the race, you'll see a higher finish rate. 
because people put so much effort into training for it. Uh, and they put so much effort into finishing it and they usually bring big crews and they have a lot of help. Um, uh, but yeah, like your, your typical, um, like average hundred miler, it's somewhere usually in like the, somewhere in between like 45 and 55% finish rate. Steven says, out of 17 Trail 100, I've DNF2, Leadville and Bighorn. Ouch. Yeah, those are those are tough ones. Yeah, Leadville. Leadville, I really want to do that race. Uh, I paced it once, but I really want to do it. Bighorn is one that I've looked at several times, um, but never, like, I don't know too much about it. All right, well, I'm going to start wrapping this up. Uh, thank you all for joining. Um, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it looks like everyone, I think I answered all the questions. Um, a lot of people are going to start telling their family they can't do dishes. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, thank you all for joining. Uh, this was a great night. Uh, thank you to, um, just everyone for stopping by, for watching the videos as they, uh, have been coming out. Um, I, I know that, uh, like typically in the past I've been doing like three to four videos a week and these last couple weeks it's been less than that, uh, one or two. And that's just because like, I am just so tired all the time. <laughs> Uh, you know, like, I don't know, like, I really wish I could do more like daily vlog stuff, but I would have to quit my job <laughs> or one of my jobs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to, uh, I would love to do more like, and be able to train high like this, but unfortunately like one has to give. So as soon as I start tapering and get into the race and everything, like the videos will be coming out a lot more often. So just letting you guys know that. Uh, but yeah, thanks for everyone for joining, uh, everyone, uh, with these last second comments, uh, do know cascade crest 100 is a hard rock and Western States qualifier. If anyone wants to get both. Yes. Uh, that's a race that just happened this past weekend and that's very high on my list. Um, just throwing that out there, but it's a lottery. So depending on, a lot of things. I don't know. I don't actually know how hard it is to get into that race, but um, I don't think I've ever applied for it. I know a couple people that have applied for it and did not get in, but uh, yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, yeah, like Chris says, smash the like button, everyone. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thanks for stopping by. Um, I will see you again very soon. Bye. Bye.